0: Surprised you. If you're looking for the Notorious Bakersfield podcast, you haven't done anything wrong. You're in the right place. I just switched things around. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast, a podcast that takes a look back at some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters that have impacted the Central California Valley community. I hope you all had a nice Thanksgiving. The official start of the holiday season. Speaking of holidays, Hanukkah began Sunday. If you celebrate, I wish you a happy Hanukkah. Edward James Olmos starred in and directed the 1992 movie American Me. The opening title card of this film says it was inspired by a true story. The lead character, played by Olmos, is named Montoya Santana. Everything written about this character claims it is based on the real-life Mexican Mafia boss, Rudolfo Cadena. What many people don't know about Rudolfo Cadena, the once-powerful boss of the Mexican Mafia, is that he was from Bakersfield when he murdered a young man in 1959. To say the movie American Me is a true story is a stretch. The writer and producers took a lot of liberties in telling the story. If you watch the movie hoping to get a glimpse or even a mention of Bakersfield, you'll be disappointed. I'm not going to do a deep dive into American Bee, like I'm not going to do an entire Hollywood versus reality about American Me and the Mexican Mafia. What I'm going to do is tell you about the murder of Avellino Diaz Aguilar and how his killer, a skinny East Bakersfield high school kid, went on to become one of the most powerful organized crime bosses in history. On Halloween night of 1959, three young men from Buttonwillow came to Bakersfield for a dance at the Salon Juarez on East 18th Street. These young men were 21-year-old Avelino Diaz Aguilar and his friends, two brothers, Robert and Ismael Ornalis. When the dance ended after midnight on November 1st, the three young men from Buttonwillow lingered in a dirt parking lot across the street from the Salon Juarez dance hall. The dance hall and the dirt field across from it are still there today, and both probably look very similar to how they looked Back in 1959. You can see it from Truxton Avenue. It's near the funky intersection where Truxton, East Truxton, East 19th, and Bill Avenue all converge by the railroad tracks there. Avellino, Aguilar, and the Ornales brothers and some other people from the dance were just hanging out in that parking lot by their cars. Avellino and the Ornales brothers were walking to their car when they were confronted by a group of four other youths. This group wasn't at the dance. They were younger, from 16 to 18 years old. Words were exchanged, then a brawl broke out. Someone belonging to the younger group drew a knife and repeatedly stabbed Avellino. He fell to the dirt parking lot. The assailant stabbed Avellino a few more times as he lay on the ground in the fetal position when the fight ended the Ornales brothers stood Avellino up they knew he was badly injured they loaded the mortally wounded Avellino into the back seat of their car and rushed him to Kern General Hospital now Kern Medical when the Ornales brothers reached Kern General at 1:15 a.m. they carried him in and sat him in a chair in a corridor just outside the emergency room entrance Once the brothers sat him in the chair, they rushed out to their car. Two alert hospital employees returning from a coffee break witnessed this scene and pursued the brothers out of the hospital doors and were able to get a vehicle description and license plate number as the car fled. The injured young man was immediately taken into a trauma room where he was declared dead on arrival. Avelino Diaz Aguilar was just 22 years old. He was stabbed 25 times, and it was determined at least six of those stab wounds would have been fatal. Hospital employees notified the Kern County Sheriff's Office about what just occurred and gave them the description and license number of the car. About an hour after getting this information, Kern County Sheriff's deputies located the blood-splattered car in a parking lot of a cafe on Rosedale Highway. Inside the restaurant, deputies found the Ornalis brothers wearing blood-stained clothes. The brothers explained the situation to the deputies, and after further questioning, investigators determined the Ornalis brothers weren't the killers. They were simply trying to save their friend's life. With the information from the brothers, and other witnesses, detectives were able to identify and arrest four suspects by the end of the day, November 1st. Three of the youths were just 16 years old, and one was 18. Through their interrogations, detectives felt two of the 16-year-olds, Rudolfo Cadena and Richard Ruiz, were the primary culprits. Kadena's brother-in-law told investigators he owned a five-inch hunting knife that he was missing. Under intense questioning, Rudolph Kadena confessed to the stabbing and said he disposed of the knife in a southeast Bakersfield canal. Water from the canal was drained and detectives used rakes to search for the weapon. They eventually found the hunting knife. At that point in his life, Kadena went by... Several first names, Rudolfo, Rudolph, and Rudy. He was a student at East Bakersfield High School and was a member of the Vario Viejo gang, now known as the Vario Bakers. On November 10th, a coroner's jury ruled that Avelino Aguilar's death was a homicide caused by Rudolfo Cadena. Cadena later pled guilty to second degree murder and was sentenced to five years to life in prison. Let me add this about Avellino Aguilar, the victim who was killed by Rudolfo Cadena. I like to include as much information as possible about crime victims, but unfortunately in this case, there's just not a lot of information available. I couldn't find an obituary for him. All that's available that I could find... In, is, is the Bakersfield Californian's account of his murder. And those articles don't include any personal information about the young man. The only thing I could find out was that he lived in Buttonwillow at the time of his death. And I visited his grave at Union Cemetery, and he's buried in the veterans portion of the cemetery. His headstone notes, his military service, and there's a picture on the headstone of Avellino wearing an army uniform, so we know he was in the military. But that's about all I could find out about him. If you, if anyone out there knows more about Avellino, Diaz Aguilar, let me know. I'm, I'm curious. I'll be right back after this. If there's someone on your Christmas list who's a fan of this podcast, they might want a Notorious Bakersfield t-shirt. They're available for purchase. Go to NotoriousBakersfield.com and click the store link. There's also a link to it in the show notes. Also, if you'd like to send me ideas about stories you'd like me to cover, email me at NotoriousBakersfield at gmail.com. There's no space between Notorious and Bakersfield, or you can send me a message from the NotoriousBakersfield.com website. Oh, there's another cool feature on the website. You can send me a voicemail from the website. Look for the microphone icon, press it, and talk. If you want your voice on a future episode, I just might include it. Be sure to follow this podcast's social media pages. Pictures related to each episode are posted. You can find Notorious Bakersfield on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Cadena was sent to the Duell Vocational Institute, also known as DVI, a prison designed to incarcerate youth offenders. When he arrived at Duell, the Mexican Mafia was already in its developmental stage. At Duell, Cadena was either given or took the nickname Cheyenne, or Shy for short. Of course, if there's one prison gang, rival gangs begin to form, or people splinter off and form their own gangs. And that's exactly what happened. The problem became so intense that authorities decided to break up the gangs by transferring known gang leaders to different prisons. Cadena was transferred to San Quentin. But this solution of relocating gang members to different prisons failed miserably. It only metastasized the problem. Instead of the gangs being concentrated in one facility, they were now in many different institutions. I'm not clear about what Cadena did that caught the attention of the Mexican mafia leadership. There's several different stories floating around, but... I have no idea what the real story is, but obviously he did something that proved himself worthy to be admitted into the highest ranks of the organization. Cheyenne Cadena flourished as a leader. He was respected and idolized by other gang members. He formed alliances with rival gangs and brokered truce agreements. Cadena is credited with expanding the Mexican Mafia's reach and influence to outside the prison walls. So not only were they an influence inside prison, they were a force on the streets as well. Because of Cheyenne Cadena's efforts through the alliances he formed with rival gangs, the Mexican Mafia had a controlling interest in the drug and weapons market on the street. Cadena was paroled in 1971, but it was short-lived. He reoffended and was sent to Chino in 1972. Back behind bars, Cadena sought to form an alliance with the Mexican Mafia's fiercest ri- rival, the Nuestra Familia, or NF for short. Rumors quickly spread throughout Chino that the NF had green-lighted Cadena, meaning they ordered a hit on him. On the morning of December 18, 1972, Cadena stepped out of his cell and onto the landing of the third tier, and the NF assassins struck. He was repeatedly stabbed, an estimated 50 times, then thrown off the three-story tier to the ground below. When he hit the ground, he was stabbed an additional dozen or so times. Rodolfo Cheyenne Cadena was 29 years old when he died. According to his obituary, his funeral was held in Bakersfield at Our Lady of Guadalupe. He was survived by his parents, a brother, and eight sisters. He too is buried at Union Cemetery, the same cemetery his victim is buried. They're both in different areas, but it's the same cemetery. The assassination of Cadena escalated the hostilities between the Mexican Mafia and the Nuestra Familia organizations that continues today, both inside the California prison system and the streets. Let me go back to American Me. Like I said, all of the publicity around this film implies that the character played by Edward James Olmos is supposedly... Cheyenne Cadena, but the character's name in the movie is Montoya Santana. The opening scenes of the film take place in East Los Angeles, not Bakersfield. The crime that the character commits happen in Los Angeles, not Bakersfield. And the crime that gets the character in trouble in the first place isn't even a murder. So there are just a few of the inconsistencies between Montoya Santana and Cheyenne Cadena. There are at least a dozen more that I just won't get into. I'd like to clear up another popular misconception about Cadena. Many online resources claim that he founded the Mexican Mafia. He didn't. The Mexican Mafia had already formed in Duel by the time Cadena got there. It was in its infancy. But what is indisputable is that Cadena was instrumental in the Mexican Mafia's growth and influence. There's no denying that. This is Robert Peterson, the creator and host of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. I'll be back next Tuesday to tell you about the 1975 double murder of two Bakersfield brothers, a double murder that was in retaliation for Cheyenne Cadena's assassination. It's a story that has a very interesting ending. Resources used to research this story, The Bakersfield Californian, the Los Angeles Times, and the book by Ramon Mundo Mendoza, Mexican Mafia altar Boy to Hitman, The Gang of Gangs. And I'll be back next Tuesday with another Notorious Bakersfield Story.